Hello and welcome to another episode of Devil Automotive's Cars of the Decades. I'm Sean Smith and I'm joined by Alistair Walker. Good afternoon. Chris Strickland. Good afternoon. Sam Green. Hello there. And not at the moment Monty because he's um, uh, not here. Missing. Yeah, we Missing lost. in action. Yeah, we lost him. Um, he might appear at some point, but uh, we'll see. Anyway, chaps, we're into the 1930s. Road cars. Yes. Yeah, we're you know we're getting further into the into yeah. the into the century. Should it, be good. Yes, we literally the more cars that we actually all care about as opposed to ones we're <laughs> scraping the bottom of the barrel for. Now, last episode uh, we uh, had a look at some race cars, which actually did some racing rather than drag racing. Today, we're going to be looking at road cars, which were like normal or look look a yes. bit, a bit more normal. normal. Yeah. Um. So today we're going to be basically just a. Going for the 1930s, so the cars begin to just uh, be more reminiscent of what you see to see going forward. The blueprints are set, bigger names uh, and are uh, put forward. But uh, with the biggest name, we're going to start with Chris. Chris, uh, you've chosen a, a small Japanese company. I haven't chosen a small Japanese <laughs> company. You might not have heard of them, so it is a bit left field, but... I went with Toy Toyota. That was it, Toyota. <laughs> no, so basically the first car I went for was the Toyota AA, which was the first production car Toyota ever made, which I think has got to be the most important car of the decade, or maybe even of the century, considering where Toyota are nowadays. So it and is it the car that led us legacy. to the Prius. Did yeah. <laughs> But it, ah, also but it is the, the car Supra. that led us to the GT300 Prius, yeah. which in itself is a glorious machine. Yes, so, you know, you diss the Prius, Al, but it has led us to what is one of the most glorious <laughs> mashed-together race cars ever. Anyway, but no, yeah, so the Toyota AA was the first production car that Toyota ever built. They built 1,400 of them between 36 and 43. That's not a big number, but considering Well, no, it's time... not a big number, but considering that during that period, there was, I don't know, a world war. There was, there was a small conflict in Japan. There was, a small, yeah, there was a small conflict that sort of kind of took over everything. Um, uh, and then they built 357 convertibles, so you could have the wind blowing in your hair, should you desire to have something as silly as that. Or you could be shot by machine guns, you know, whichever one you want. Um, or fire your machine guns. Or fire your machine guns. <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, so it was powered by two different engines. There was an inline six, which was in the original. Oh, sorry, it was powered by an original 3.4 liter inline six. Um, and then they made a replica for the 50th year anniversary, which was powered by 2.3 liter inline six. It had a three speed transmission. Ooh. Wow. I know, right? and also, it must have had plenty of torque. Not a CVT? Uh, no, not a CVT. Uh, I don't think they existed. No. If they were, they'd be made of like. They'd be like a rubber rubber belt CVT. <laughs> what, like a normal one then? Yeah, most, most CVTs. <laughs> oh, so most CVTs are rubber belt? I thought they would have changed them by now some point. They're, pro they're probably reinforced anyway. with steel, but carry on. Yeah, yeah they're probably like Tev um, Kevlar or something like that. Anyway, the Toyota AA, it looks like an Austin. It does look a little bit... Well, what do you expect? They probably looked at the Austin here one and just went, oh yeah, that's a good idea. We'll go with something like that. Because, you know, at that point in time, Everybody didn't know how to build cars properly, so of course you're going to go and look at what the most popular car at the time is and go, well, we'll build something that looks like that. Hmm. But we'll I mean, yeah, to be fair, games. I think that could be argued until about the mid-90s. <laughs> yeah, that is very true. Yeah, yeah to be fair. Especially British Leyland. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, no, I think it looks it looks kind of just like a car of the thirties, really, just a bit smaller. It was actually more... based on a car. Was it? It was based on a Chrysler, a well, Desoto. I don't even know. Desoto Airflow Chrysler. It's a Chrysler. And it actually is. Um, <laughs> it's exactly the yeah. same. Well, there we go. So it does have suicide doors, which is sick. Yeah, so you can a fire of... machine guns out the doors. <laughs> so, it's, so it's basically a Mazda RX-8. It is, yeah, basically a Mazda RX-8. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It does actually have smaller rear doors as well. I'd say it's um, yeah, suicide rear doors. Looking at the pictures, um, but again, that's that's fairly common in those days. To be totally honest. It's, um, the, the doors on the, mostly on the back, but sometimes in the front of the car as well would open the wrong way. The suicide doors. Um, I think they're quite cool. I think the car's not quite nice. Um, yeah, no, I think it's a decent choice. Fair, fair play, Chris. Yeah, it's, it's also you've produced a, uh, you've chosen a car which produced more than like two units. Yeah, hey, it's actually a the problem. The Mitsubishi was an absolute gem of a car. <laughs> you can't say it wasn't. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, I'm exactly. sure all three owners enjoyed them. <laughs> I'm sure they did as well. I'm sure they did. I'm sure they loved them until they, you know, rusted away. Did you say there's only one left or did. something? Oh, I have no idea. I can't remember now. Because, I mean, when you look at the picture for the Toyota Model AA, um, it, does, it is literally a rust bucket. <laughs> It is, yeah. I mean, I think the, the replica looks awful. I think from what I remember seeing, because I think they made it like electric. Or something. It does look a little bit. Anyway, that's a different car. It's a different car. It's a different car. Um, but no, I think what you've got to look at it as is it's probably one of the most important cars in the automotive industry because of what led on from it. You know, without this car, Toyota probably never would have existed, and you wouldn't have stuff like the Prius. You wouldn't have stuff like the GT86. You know, you wouldn't have. The Toyota Crown, I love or anything like that. I love the Crown. I do like. I do like the Crown. Although it's probably based off something. Oh, you wouldn't even have the Supra. The best you know, you wouldn't even have the Mark IV Supra. So I mean, you've got to give it some kudos into what it became I think it's, or what the company became. I think it's worth um, noting just because <clears> it is Toyota's first car, but it's got a massive engine for a Japanese car. It's like. Well, I think. It's not. What I think you'd what expect. we've all discovered. I think well, I think the the original version of the the Mitsubishi we were talking about that had like a three point two liter engine or something like that. Yeah, but even so, I mean, three point four liters from a tiny, a relatively tiny car, or at least it looks tiny. I think it's quite big. It's quite tall. It just looks I, it looks compact. It's quite heavy as well. Well, if you uh, think about the, the machining abilities of the thirties, yeah, you couldn't go for small things because of how awful the tolerances would have been so you have to go for big things and i reckon that you'll find that if you were to go back in time and pick up some of the cars and measure the actual one and a half tons cylinder sizes one would be like a 3.5 and the other would be like a 3.3 or something like that <laughs> so it's kind of you know although they're big engine capacities it's probably down to the technological limitations of the time yeah and their inability to you know it was the only way they could really get enough power to move them wasn't it was to make the engines big yeah yeah exactly yeah <clears throat> but it's cool. I, mean, I think that's true of all of our picks this week that none of them are probably less than three liters or two and a bit ah, liters mine not the case for mine no? <laughs> it's a 2.9 oh, come on. <laughs> no, no no genuinely it's much smaller than that we'll come on to that later though we shall we shall uh, but no chris what well i think we've 
had a, a in the Japanese question we give a modest little clap for that. Of it's a, it's a it's a good choice. It's I good think choice. yeah, this is the first time that we haven't just completely ripped it out of you. It's <laughs> because you can't. No, it's a ha. good choice. It's a decent choice. It makes makes sense. Yeah, we'll see about the next decade. Then. Yeah. yeah, we'll see what you do in the forties. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this, that is this, this this car is actually a plane. <laughs> it's it's actually made from a plane. It's got a plane engine. Yeah, in it's, a, it's a doom. Do something more it's like a doom. <laughs> anyway, um, anything else to say about the uh, Toys AA battery? Well, no, but it was one of the first cars to have a metal body on a metal metal ladder chassis, yeah. which well, I think is pretty cool, go. considering most of the cars back then would have been made you know metal fabric. metal chassis with a yeah exactly <laughs> wooden fabric so that's or pretty leather. cool because then they would have from that they would have started the whole sort of oh what's the Japanese TMS? No, it's not Kai Kaizen. Ka Ka no, uh, Kaizen something different. Yeah, Kaizen something different. I, I just can't say, remember, but the, the whole. Just, did you say how how powerful it isn't? I, I didn't say. Has it got like sixty-two horsepower? There you wow. go. From a three-point-three in line six. Yep. Wow. I'm at 66, so each cylinder is producing 10, 10 horsepower. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole thing. Hang on, hang on. So that's 10 brake horsepower per cylinder. Ish. Divide that by. 3,400. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because you've got to divide 3,400 by 6, which is. 600? Just under 600 cc. It's about 550 cc per cylinder. So each. So it's 2 brake horsepower per. Sort of million, per, yeah, two yeah. brake horsepower per liter of cylinder. Wow. <laughs> no, sorry, no. It's. I don't fucking know. It's not a lot. <laughs> it's not it's a lot. Not yeah. a it's not a lot of power. <laughs> but let's move on. Speaking of a lot of power, Alistair Walker. Yep. So the car I've picked does have a lot, a bit more power. Actually, in its least powerful form, was about 180 brake horsepower. Yeah, but hang on, hang on. Ooh. This is Italian horsepower. Yeah, so minus 10% for exaggeration. <laughs> yeah, so I have gone with the Alfa Romeo 8C. Yeah. I think specifically the Alfa Romeo 8C 2900. Which, which is... is, I would say, one of the most beautiful cars of the decade. 100%, especially yes. the A. Have you gone for the Spider or the Berlinetta? I mean, either 2900, they were... I prefer the Berlinetta. Oh, yeah. Oh, I prefer was... the Spider. You'd be you wrong. No, I'm not. <laughs> I prefer the spider. <laughs> right, Al. Right, Al. For many people, the Alpha 8C is uh, one of the best race cars of all time. But uh, you've chosen it for a road car. Do tell why. Yes, because well, they did originally design it for racing, quite admittedly, but then detuned it, rebodied it, and brought it to the road-going <laughs> customers. What to pay, pay off the racing projects? Almost entirely, because based on the history of Alfa Romeo, they were probably broke by this point. <laughs> <laughs> For at least the first of 900 times. <laughs> 900, give or take. Yes. <laughs> so, so, yeah, you're there, you're a nice rich count in the middle of the 1930s, so what do you want? You've just seen some about three people die and one people win at the Nürburgring. And you have the chance to buy that car with a comfortable body on it. Well, it's the uh, the old adage, isn't it, of win on Sunday, sell on Monday. 
Yes, after about three months of coach building, probably yeah. though. <laughs> yeah. It's not quite. Was this right. was this one of those cars where you went to Alpha and said, "I'll have one," and then you went to like people like Zagato and said, "Can you build the body on it?" Yeah, I think a lot of the bodies were coach built. I mean, I wouldn't let Zagato go anywhere near it. Zagato just did weird things to cars. <laughs> I don't know. No, some, but was this the, okay. the type of thing that it was? Yeah. yeah I think you asked was, yeah. for a got... chassis and a, an engine, then they built the coach, built the frame. Yeah, I think there were Alfa Romeo bodies, but they tended to be the simpler the spider more, open yeah, top style. style. Yeah. A lot mm. of the coupes, I think, were coach built, so things like Berlinetta. I think there was a Pininfarina or two kicking around. It I'm not 100% right, on that. I don't know if it's a little bit early for Pininfarina. No, no, no. It does say in the Wikipedia that Pina Farina did actually do something. <laughs> there we go. There you go. Fact. Um, now, fact. It's in. It is in Wikipedia. It's in Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> now, Al, I think first of all, especially if you look at the Wikipedia article and the uh, the top image of that car, of that twenty nine hundred A, it is beautiful beyond relief in every aspect. Like you have the the wheels, the sort of um, the mesh style. Which, which I think it is just gorgeous. It's got the longest body bonnet that's uh, ever existed, give or take. Oh yeah, the the thing is ninety percent bonnet. Yeah, it's it's basically a Corvette. I <laughs> 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 think I would yeah. definitely prefer the Corvette. No, no I'm joking. <laughs> Didn't the Corvette Alfa wasn't the C1 that. very similar to this Alfa Romeo? No, even no. though no. the C1 was built a couple of yeah, couple of. No, not really, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. The C1 had about as much engineering uh, ingenuity as a ship. No, that sounds about right. Anyway, so Al, come on. So, to, uh, the engine, it's a sub three litre, so they've done well there. They've, they've, be, they've beaten... Yeah, it's they've beaten Toyota 2.9 litre. Yeah, they've beaten Toyota <laughs> on capacity and amount of power they're getting from the capacity. But this one was boosted, was it not? Ooh. Yes, it was, so... Root supercharger and the early versions were capable of about 220 brake horsepower. That's quite That's a, lot. a lot of power, especially in the 30s. Yeah, yeah which is why actually the later brake. ones were less powerful in the interests of not blowing the thing up on a daily basis <laughs> or, or killing people when they turn a corner. Oh, well, that's their own fault. <laughs> I mean, I think that applies to most cars of the 30s, to be fair. That does explain why the bonnet's so long because it's a straight eight. Yeah. Yeah, so it had its cousin, which was the 6C, which was because that was a six-cylinder engine. <laughs> the 8C was the straight eight. That's, that's, that's almost as good as Maserati naming structure. Just to say well, it gets better than that, because um, I know we're straying slightly into uh, ro racing cars here, but the uh, monoposto, what do you think that might mean? A uh, single post. Yeah, single One single seat. seat. Wow. So that's their single seater, the monoposto. Uh, so yeah, that yeah. Well, because it's actually a term that's still used to this day. I think monoposto. Well, yeah, for I think it is. Certain it's racing it is. series. Yeah. Or at least into the seventies. Yeah, it definitely was then. Right, come on. Interesting facts about this car, which aren't, aren't to do with racing, because it's quite difficult. <laughs> yes, that is the unfortunate. I basically picked a road car that was a race car with a pretty body <laughs> on it. So. I mean, what more reason do you need? It's, it's the right colour. Yeah, it was Italian red. It was beautiful. Yeah, I encourage our listeners to go look up. So I'd probably say if you look for the Alfa Romeo 8C Touring, 
and you'll see some of the most beautiful cars of the period. Hmm. Definitely. It's very, yeah, it's very Cuello de Vil, but uh, it's, it's... Yes, not... it is. It's that... that big... How many decades are we uh, going to go through without mentioning Cuello de Vil? How far do we have to go? It's got to be. Well, considering you're the only one that actually ever mentions it, all I have to do is keep you quiet and we'll be fine. I think we have to get past the 40s because then cars start looking significantly different. Yeah. Because yeah. I think from the early days of motoring, well, the early days of motoring were weird. And I think through the 20s, 30s, and 40s, cars had a very similar structure and then got gradually sleeker. So what we're seeing with the 8C is cars getting a lot sleeker and more flowing <clears throat> and have much more complex bodywork than the cars of the 20s. But it's all stylized, isn't it? It's not like it's a low drag kind of thing. Although it is probably fairly low it drag. It probably is. It's more for <clears throat> style. It's sort of, that's the idea, isn't it? That it's there to look good. I'm just thinking, yeah, imagine one of these things... Aerodynamics. Yeah, I yeah. can imagine watching one of these things like in Milan, for example, in the 30s. You know, oh, if, if if it, it, it would stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Well, especially when you got stuff like my car, which was just this little, almost boxy an A1 boxy thing. Is someone playing a recorder? And you have this... No, I think that's my next door neighbor. Sorry about ah. that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, anyway. driving around, and then you get one of these things pulling up alongside you at a crossroads in Milan. You're going to sit there going, I've got the wrong job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not going to think, oh, I can have that with lights, can I? No, no, you wouldn't think no, so, would no. you? looking at that if you're in your little Toyota AA compared to this thing. I wonder if anyone in a Toyota AA has ever come across an Alfa Romeo AC. Probably unlikely, somehow. Oh, I, actually, I no, having said it. that, Probably more recently, maybe if it was imported, hmm. you know, with it being I... powers of the axes, it might have been imported. <laughs> I don't know. I think cars tended to stay much more within their own nations at that period yeah, of history, they, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know. Was it if they when, have, it would be a lot more recent. That's a car show somewhere. Yeah. Well, didn't the British give a lot of Bentleys to India? Yeah, like Sultans that, and that's stuff? Cause cause we yeah, no, they didn't okay. give a bunch of Bentleys to India. They gave a bunch of Bentleys to pe British the people British people in. ruling India at yeah. the time. <laughs> <laughs> We are going to mention very quickly the racing stuff of the HC. It was like multiple Le Mans winner. Mille Mille, I think it won as well. Grand Prix yeah, Grand Prix. I was going to say, I think there was Grand Prix variant. So it was the all-round race car, and then you could slap a roof on it and have the probably the baddest supercar of the era. Probably. Mm. But we used to be used Didn't, to... Um, wasn't the, the HC... Single seater. That was one of Ferrari's first race cars, I think. I think it was I, actually. I could be wrong, but I think it was. Yeah, because he didn't. He never built his first race car, did he? he no, bought exactly. it from he, Alfa Romeo and then raced, can... and then thought I could do a better job, and then build his own. <laughs> yeah, that's very. That's very. And then Ferrari, failed at the first major opportunity. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that in the 1950s. <laughs> yes, we shall. Right. Uh, who should we go to next? Let's go to me. Yes. Let's go to me. So I've picked something. I've, t I've taken something out of Chris's book here, which is a. Um, fine things come in very limited numbers. I've picked the. How do you pronounce it, Al? Delahay? Delahay? Yeah. Yeah, Delahay. The Delahay or Delay or whatever. Uh, 135M. Fig hang on. Figoni and Falashi. Fioni and Falashi Cabriolet. Yes. Yeah. 
Which now, talking of Cruella de Vil cars, it doesn't get much more than that. No, really but this one, this one looks like a fucking song from the Jetsons in the 1930s. It, it kind of does. Do you know what it's... I think it looks like? What's that? The Mitsuka Orochi. What's that? What is that? It's crew? the um, Japanese sports car that was incredibly slow that James May drove around Tokyo back in like 2005. I have no idea. Well, actually, no, it would have been later than that. It would have been like 2006, 2007. Um, and it's one of the most ugliest cars in the world. I kind of think it looks like yours. You're one no. of the ugliest cars in the world. I mean, the, the, let's not get into that. But, yeah, <laughs> I, will, I will admit, um, I would not drive a Chris. No, I probably wouldn't either. Um, but right, no, I what? mean, I think the, the main thing that ruins this car... Is it's French. Is, yes, but the image that you have sent us is the, of an American spec one that has massive bumpers to try and make it safe, which kind of ruins it a little bit. But apart what? from that... The one on the, that, the, one on the Google shot sheet? Chrome, yeah, that big chrome bar on the front, and you can oh, see yeah, another that, that, one. That, 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 it, looks, it looks like I saw a tweed moustache, tweed moustache, doesn't it? Yeah, it just doesn't look right. All it right. would look a lot better without that. But if, if, you, ignore if, that. if you ignore that, I think it looks... It's very striking. Uh, I would have preferred one in a different colour. I'm not a fan of oh, the paint job. I think a better... <laughs> I know. Yours comes in <laughs> rust colour. Yeah, yours is black. Oh, mine does not rust. come in rust. Mine came in black or rust. metal colour. <laughs> black or unpainted. But look at, I think that's stunning. A two tone, um, the paint, uh, fully enclosed wheels, both front and rear. All the aerodynamics. Yeah, um, all of the overheating and uh, <laughs> and everything. If you even think about going quickly, but yeah. uh, no, it is. This is it's very cool. Right. So I like it. Dallahay. French, unfortunately, uh, they produced eight of these cars for my car road car of the decade. People, um, they produced eight of these from 1938 to 1939. I can't think why they stopped. Yes, I can't think possibly why <laughs> they had to stop production. There, but, uh... So uh, basically, what I they... think someone came by with a Mercedes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Or being... yeah, I know it wouldn't have been Mercedes. Would it have been Mercedes back then? I thought we yeah, all no, come together been. and make the auto union. It could have been all of them. No, Mercedes has always been separate from Auto Union, though. Uh, Mercedes were supplying vehicles for those gentlemen. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, so Le Frenchies, uh, they, they thought, right, economic crisis is starting to lift up a bit. We're going to make a car, like, reminiscent of the the boom time 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Literally. Yeah, uh, and uh, <laughs> so they produced the one the 135 and the 138, which are... You know, they made more than eight of that car full stop, but um, specifically the uh, the Wafi Five M, which I've picked, is just because it's really, really pretty, and that, that's that's why. It also Do you know it has, has a, a bigger engine than mine. Yes. You talk about me having a big engine. Your your engine's bigger than mine. It's three point six meters. Yeah, but it's also producing one hundred and twenty horsepower. Yeah, the, the extra twenty cc doubles the horsepower. Yeah. Of mine, I will admit. <laughs> So it was, it was well quick, and it says I'm reading from the uh, the link. Here. It says the competition version with a high compression head produced 152 horsepower. That's more than my Celica. That's not saying a lot though. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean that's pretty good though for the 1930s. That's not bad really. Um, I just I think it's it's definitely more style than substance though. The engine is twice the size of my Celica though, so that's you know I, I gain points back. Anyway, but no, you're right. It's uh, I, I I think it's as I said, sort of Jetson style, 
like yeah, space think... race before the space race. Uh, yeah, I think that's got something to do with the enclosed wheels, isn't it? It yeah. looks more like a sort of rocket ship than a than a car. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I quite like it. I have to say, and the headlights, the like in in fender headlights, and then the smaller ones on the inside as well. It's quite sleek and it's just nice. It's quite do you cool. know, I only I intentionally um linked this car to my uh, Indian friends earlier because apparently it was sold to an Indian prince. Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> the one that you're looking at. There so. we go. Yeah. So there we go. That's 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 interesting. Um, no, I haven't really got. I, I haven't really got <laughs> many. More, hell, sure. I haven't got many more many more facts for why it's my car of the decade, other than that it's really cool. And I I I, uh, I couldn't really get past the fact that all thirties cars look the same. They all look like two um, valves per cylinder. They all look like like Austin Healy's. No, that does definitely not look like a Austin Healy. <laughs> that's look what. That's the point. That's the point. It doesn't. That, this one doesn't. It's got a four speed manual. No, four speed live. Live axle, live rear axle. What it comes alive at night, full moon. No, as in, as in no diff. <laughs> no, it's even no. What it is is Ooh, it's a live got rear the top axle. Speed. Go on, Sam. A helmet. The top speed, ninety-six miles per hour. Wow, that's not bad. How's it so slow? Well, I don't really point? know. It's because it probably weighs as much as a house is. Why? Let me see. Is there a weight? I don't think there is a way. Put it this way: the the body is steel, the chassis <laughs> is steel, so I'd imagine the I can't find a approximately a, a small moon. It's a lot of. Oh, hang on, so, hang on. According to Wikipedia, again, gospel, um, the curb weight is only nine hundred and thirty-five kilograms. No, or, or twelve hundred and fifty to sixteen hundred which sounds more likely. That's more likely. So the nine hundred is probably for the chassis alone. Yes. yes, it is. Yes, it is. I didn't read that bit. <laughs> so your entire chassis it's weighs more than my car. <laughs> like the car I've chosen is less than that. Wow, that's quite bad. That is pretty bad. Sixteen hundred yeah. kilos. I, I, well, hang on. So it's sixteen hundred kilos, maybe with the roof on. <laughs> Possibly. But yeah, that's a. Oh, hang on. I, I can confirm, guys. I'm really sorry. So this is sad news for everyone in France. Um, production of the 3.2 liter version ended with the German occupation of France. Yes. So. Yeah. So perhaps unsurprising. You know what? I, that period. that shocked me. I thought that they'd have carried on regardless. <laughs> anyway, but no, like uh, as um, we did with the 8C. This car is also of racing fame because it did win the Le Mans 24 Hours in 1938. That's probably because nobody else entered the damn thing. Yeah, I think Alfa Romeo having to avoid it. like bomb holes. <laughs> it's the year you know, the just along the Mulsanne Strait, there's just inadvertently some chicanes put in there. Um, yeah, it was pretty good at that. It won by a long way. So there, I'm done now. Let's go to Sam. Yeah. <laughs> so hang on. So I love how you haven't like mocked me for choosing a car which only has eight eight. Uh, production models we're over that now what just because chris we're got, got, so, got yeah. it over last month or the month yeah chris i mean you know I, I i'm gonna beat you there just because mine had two is it two we're gonna struggle to beat that <laughs> is this when i bring the noble m15 into into um the, the car of the 2000s <laughs> just because it had a production of one we'll choose a concept car that actually never got built yeah exactly right uh sam Yes, um, this, right. This, I, I've, you've, I'm surprised you picked this car because you never mentioned them ever. No, no, I've never Nash. mentioned them. 
Fraser Nash, yes. And this one, Fraser Nash is uh, a small British, or was a small British company. They are, they are currently, uh, they aren't there, not was, they are currently located in Petersfield. I'd say they have, they are technically still a thing, uh, but I don't know if they make any cars, no, uh, especially don't. at the moment. Um, but this one, basically, the way the Fraser Nash used to operate is they would build a racing car for a particular race or whatever it was, and then build what they would call in inverted commas a replica. And that replica was a road car that you could buy. And they were exactly the same, essentially. <laughs> they were slightly detuned. Um, what to last more than so, 10 minutes? It's, well, possibly. depends what the race was. But for example, <laughs> this one, uh, the 1935 Fraser Nash um, Tourist Trophy, or TT, replica, mm. um, now, this was basically specifically designed as a racing car, and then they made a few road-going versions as well. Um, now, <clears throat> there is one very cool thing about this, which makes it stand out from everything else we've mentioned in the podcast so far. It's green. It was chain-driven. Really? What? So it was like a chain-driven yeah. onto the rear axles, then? I'm guessing that's yes. one each side? Well, it had four chains. Ooh, two each side. That and sounds this, really yes, dangerous. And, and it was, yes. Um, <laughs> but well, basically what they had, um, they kind of designed this car partly for the Tourist Trophy, but also for uh, Trials Racing, which was essentially what became kind of autograss, like that sort of racing. So it's very, very low grip, <clears throat> but you kind of want um, a solid rear axle. To a certain extent. Now, the rules said that you couldn't have a solid rear axle. So what Fraser Nash did was they had the engine, then the uh, the prop shaft going towards the back of the car, then they had a differential. Now this is the clever bit. The differential came out onto two drive shafts, which had the front sprockets on, on like first and second on one side third and fourth on the other side. Then you had some dog clutches that would essentially engage one or the other drive shaft. Right. Then you had the chains driving the rear sprockets, which were on a solid rear axle. And Fraser Nash argued that actually, because the engine wasn't directly connected to that rear axle, the car was legal, and they were allowed to race it, and it won basically everything it entered. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it, it worked. Um, but it's yeah, it was sorry. It was what it was essentially was it had first and third on one side, second and fourth on the other, because what it would do is you'd engage first and then you'd swap it over to second and then you'd have third swapping back to the other side and so on to fourth. Uh, um, that's actually quite clever. That it was. I'm looking really at a, I'm looking at an image of the the gearbox differential. Yes, it's quite cool, isn't it? It's very clever, but it it's is. very... It's the chins are massive. Yeah, they are enormous. They are like three times the size of like what you would see on a motorbike. They are huge. Yeah, um, yeah but imagine if one snapped. Well, this is the thing. Because they were so big, they very rarely snapped. Um, and they were known to do, those chains, 40,000 miles. Wow. They were looked after and sort of cleaned like you would expect them to be needed. Um, yeah, 40,000 miles per chain, which is pretty good, really. Um, they did un oversteer quite a lot on the road. Well, um, I'm thinking uh, that. You look at, look at the head-on shot and look at the uh, inverse camber they're running. Yes. It's not um, surprising. 
It's a drift car. Well, it well very similar to be fair, but now I'm from the 1930s and therefore infinitely better. Um, <laughs> and the uh, it's a it's a ladder chassis uh, built onto a wooden frame. Uh, it is metal bodied, but it's aluminium, so they only weighed sort of just under a ton. They came with a variety of engines because that's kind of the way that. Fraser Nash worked is that you could just buy one and put whatever engine you wanted in. Mm-hmm. They mostly sold them with the Meadows engine, which is a 1.5 litre. Um, there was also the Golf. Now, the Golf engine was a bit bigger. That was a 1.6, but it did have a supercharger as well. Um, so that was a lot of power. It was sort of 120 horsepower, um, which is quite a lot considering the size of those rear wheels. Only 120. Um, only 120. <laughs> But um, only drum brakes as well, which were not the best. Um, <laughs> what, even back in 1930? No, even by that standard, they weren't brilliant. Um, they weren't hydraulic. They were cable-operated. Um, you sort of, the harder you pressed it, you had to press it pretty damn hard to actually get anything, really. Um, about one of the only times I've ever been scared in a car on the road was in one of these. Um, and that was as we power slid off of a roundabout where well, there was a lorry coming. It was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm going to die. Um, but yeah, this is one of the cars that we worked on quite a lot when I worked um, for Blakely Motorsports, and it was Patrick Blakely Edwards that was driving it, and I was absolutely terrified. Um, but it's a very cool car, and it's one of the ones that actually I think if I won the Euro Millions, I'd probably buy one of these because they raced quite a lot still in the uh, Vintage Sports Car Club. Um, they people do what the uh, Fraser Nash Owners Club, which is known as the Chain Gang, the <laughs> TCs, yeah. um, they do something called a raid, where they drive from the UK to a certain city in Europe and as quickly as they can. Essentially, it's like a road race, it's but the, not it's, officially it's a road race. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, but they call it a raid where they'll go to Paris or something like that, well, cause yeah. some trouble, Get drive drunk. back again. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, but, uh, For some reason, I can see the owners in the 30s doing that as well. <laughs> yeah, so I would imagine so. I would imagine so. We need to get some uh, cheese <laughs> and cigarettes. Yeah. This obviously had a starter handle as well. Um, What's break your but, arm? Uh, well, no, because it's only a small engine. Maybe the supercharged one, probably. <laughs> the pressure would have been a bit higher. Is how short the track is. Like on the rear it can't be more than like a metre. A metre and a half. Yeah, this is part of the trouble that's why it was so oversteery because there was just it would break traction like like anything the slightly damp road and you'd just be spinning the wheels completely the whole time um mm. but for the trials that it was doing that's exactly what you wanted you'll notice as well that um if there's a rear occupant because there is technically a rear passenger area where you could maybe fit one and a half people um <laughs> That they are sat directly over the rear axle, and that's the balanced. idea behind that was yes, they would weigh the car down a bit more, and they could bounce the car along. The car already and, squats; uh, it already squats without anyone in it. On the, on exactly. The okay. Well, it's very, very rear heavy, and you'll notice as well if you're looking at the um, the the link that I sent you guys. Um, there's a big sort of box at the back of the car. It's not the fuel like, tank. It is the fuel tank. Yes. So if you got crashed into from behind, it would explode. Well, no, I don't think I don't. I don't think it would explode, but you would lose all of your fuel. 
and then yes, it, all of it gone. It would be catastrophic because the chains are directly behind that, and they get very, very hot. Um, as does the bezel box, which is kind of the inboard diff. You would definitely explode. Uh, and and the brakes, which are there as well. Um, but you'll notice as well, if you can see the right-hand side of the car, you can see the gear stick and handbrake on the outside. Yeah, that's only because the so wheel's got... on the left-hand side. A spare wheel. No, 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 there's a spare wheel on both sides most of the time. Ah. Um, you have two spare wheels. But, uh, yeah, it's outboard. Outboard handbrake and an outboard gear shifter. Ah. Which is interesting, to say the least. It's also, interestingly enough, got a dogleg gearbox. Why? Because that's the way just it was set up. So first gear is towards you and then backwards. And then second was... Uh, it was a bit confusing. It's not quite dogleg, but it's... Second is um, to the right-hand side and up. And then third is to the right-hand side and... No, left-hand side and up. And it's a bit confusing, really. It takes a bit of getting used to. But once you get it, it makes sense. Looking at... Uh, Please tell me that one's someone's cat. I don't know. No. Looking at some no. of these pictures, Sam, I mean, where they've got the spare wheel and they've got the exhaust sort of running underneath it, is that just yes. a, is that a very early tyre warmer? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Yeah, it would, it would warm that particular point of the tyre very well. Um, it's got leaf springs. Uh, yep, yeah, leaf springs. Oh, um, they were did have dampers, though. What? Um, Bouncing. Not, no, it, it had proper dampers. They were very, very stiff. Um, vintage style dampers um, torsion bar front suspension very nice it's quite an interesting it also car. looks like a Morgan slash a yeah, it does a little bit yeah but, does a uh... little bit you can see where Morgan might have got some inspiration from hmm. um, these things race against Morgans three wheel mostly three wheelers in period what um, what by, by this car just cocking its front wheel in the air no, 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 the Morgan three-wheeler. They, they, <laughs> that was a joke. they primarily race against them. Um, I do, it does cockwheels, but um, yeah, not so much. It right. tends to be oversteering. So that's the, that's the, that's the uh, Fraser Nash. Surprise, yeah. surprise that Sam picked that. Um, <laughs> right, Monty still isn't here, so we're going to mention his, his car of the decade for the 1930s road cars, which is the Citroen, small French company, Citroen Traction Avant. Um, now, I think the highest product. What's the highest production number we've had so far? Was it still Chris at 1200? Would it be mine? Would it be. I think it was 1700 if you include the Cabrio. The, the convertible. Yeah. Okay, well, Citroën beat that quite significantly. Um, approximately 760,000 uh, traction advance were made. Wow. Which it's is. That's a good effort. It is a good effort. Um, I think. Also, I know for a fact this car was used by the French army in World War Two, but irrelevant. Um, well, that went well, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't a particularly good war vehicle. Um, uh, no, they they, uh, they lost. Um, I don't yes. know why, why isn't Monty here to give us interesting facts. It's got leaf springs. There you go, guys. That's it. Most most stuff of the time did. I, I feel that th doesn't matter. It's got independent yeah. leaf springs. Well, again, again, I think most difficult things to, did. It's oh. difficult not to have independently. Come on, guys, I'm, I'm struggling here. <laughs> no, I think of those of us who turned up, I think we should give credit to Chris here for picking the only road car that was actually intended to be a road car. <laughs> Seeing as the rest of us picked race cars that someone slapped a number plate on. <laughs> yeah. so this is Does that mean I win? 
I think you win this one. What, because yeah, Monty, we'll Monty can't defend himself? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Chris. So, the Citroen <laughs> probably would have won, but because the Citroen didn't turn up on the starting line, the Toyota AA takes the crown to this what, week. Yay! Yay! That's going to do it for this episode of Cars of the Decades. <laughs> Steve Automotive's uh, brilliant show. Um, <laughs> next. You need more confidence, mate. Shut up. Anyway, um, next month, hopefully, is going to be 1940s race cars. This what, one could be quite uh, tricky. After the war. <laughs> so basically it'll be a continuation of 1930s race cars. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them probably will be 1930s race cars. Yeah, yeah. So, but um, we'll, we'll power on through because after that, after that and the road cars is the 50s when racing actually begins in real life. Yes. Gets um, a lot easier to pick right. off. So uh, that's going to do it, gentlemen. Uh, thank you for joining me. Monty, we, we know where you live. Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and um, we'll, we'll hunt you down anyway uh, that's going to do it for this episode of um, Cars of the Decade thank you to Al, Sam and Chris and not Monty for joining me it's alright yeah Monty you don't get thanks yeah exactly <laughs> right um, yeah that's going to do it we'll take care everybody and we'll see you next time take care and goodbye 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 <laughs>